Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Lowe. And if this is your first episode and you're wondering what this whole thing is all about, well, I'll tell you. Every week, I find my head surgically attached to the body of a different friend and cinephile. Together, we are given a note containing a theme, sometimes specific and sometimes vague. Our job is then to pick a pair of movies that fit that theme and then watch and discuss. This is The Incredible Two-Headed Podcast. All right, and welcome back. Welcome to this week's show. And I'm really excited about the guest we have today. Returning to the show is Johnny D, Johnny Duarte of Creepy Kingdom. How's it going, Johnny? Hey, pretty good. Yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to be back. I knew I wanted you back, and we kind of like had been talking about it for a while, but you know, just took a little while to get to it. I'm really happy to have you back as well. And as for me, I'm I'm doing okay. <laughs> it's you know, kind of the same thing here, day in day out. You know, it, it, it does seem to be maybe things are going to be getting better here soon. I hope so. You know, I mean, definitely, uh, I would say at least we're going to be talking about two lighthearted comedies. Well, in the case of one of the movies, I, I actually I'd say both of them are kind of comedies. One a little bit more lighthearted than the other, yet also very, very dark. <laughs> I'm not sure how to how to. Well, we'll, we'll we'll dissect how to discuss these movies when we discuss them, I guess. Yeah. We talked a little bit about it when you were on here last, but um, what's going on over at Creepy Kingdom? Why don't you get, uh, tell everybody about that? <laughs> what's going on right going now? On? If you uh, have anything going on. Um, nothing. Nothing's going on at Creepy Kingdom right now because, uh, mm, excuse me, uh, they're taking a break because of what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago with the whole um, capital and whatnot. They thought it was maybe out of bad, not out of bad taste, but just, they just didn't have the, uh, the energy to do live streams and, and other stuff. So they just been kind of, kind of quiet and whatnot, but they, I believe they're going to be back up and running. I believe next week. I totally get that. I mean, that day was not a good day like it was just i was so testy i was in such a bad mood you could do nothing but just watch the news and it was horrifying i mean it's I mean, been that, horrifying for four years every day but that was just like i really oh, that was the icing on the cake i did not i mean i didn't expect that everybody was like oh prepare for it prepare for it and even i was like we got to prepare for it but seeing it happen and hearing the stuff that's been coming out since about what happened is yeah shocking but it ends to me it ended kind of happily only because all these fuckers are now going to be in the no-fly zone and they're just and the the way they're taking it is just brings so much joy to my heart <laughs> it, yeah, the, well, way, the way they're sobbing and crying like they, they've had it so good all their lives and they did not give a fuck of anybody of color that have dealt with that but the moment they deal with it, they, and they just start crying like they're like two-year-old babies, they, it just it, it just bring again. It brought me so much joy to watch that. Yeah, to watch this, those, this to is watch some, those people. Yeah, <laughs> this is some prime uncut Schadenfreude. Yeah, but no, but no. I was gonna say like that the day of the Capitol uh, situation. 
I I just I didn't want to do like what a lot of people I know have been, were were doing that day, and that was death scrolling, you know, through yeah. social media. Yeah. And it's like I rather just kind of push that aside. Yes, it sucks. It's you know it's awful, but what what can I do to stop what's happening that day? I can't. I can't do anything. So to get my mind off it, I I tended I tend to uh to write or try to take care of something for myself, you know, this four years has really made me think like, what can I do more? What can I do to help affect change? I, I was going to say like when, when that whole black lives matter protest thing happened, yes, I, I didn't, pro, I didn't go into the protest because I didn't know if I was going to get shot at or, or anything. But what I did was I did donate. There are places that I can donate to to help the people the bit to get bailed out or the the George Floyd situation. Like I I at least donated money to those causes. Yeah, no, same. I I donated I think to the um to Black Lives Matter. I know there's a couple of like copycat Black Lives Lives Matter organizations that maybe you shouldn't give your money to. So people like if you do anything research. But I, oh, I donated. Yeah. I donated to them, and I donated to the NAACP Legal Defense uh, Legal Defense Fund. Yeah, um, it, it's what it. It's the barest minimum I could do, but it it felt good to try and do something, or support yeah, I, I, doing things. Absolutely, I mean, and again, like I said, I mean, that's I mean, that's what I like. So that's what I did too. You know, just. It, it was just such a weird, crazy time. It's, and that was, I mean, that's like, like you said, that was the best that we can do. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but this, but yeah, but again, but the whole capital thing, like I, I knew there was something I, I cannot do. I, I cannot like go over there and be like, Hey, you white trash pieces of shit, get off this capital. Like I can't do that. I can't run and do that. What's it called? But yeah, I, I'm not going to be like a, a, some people that I know personally that just, I, I was looking at their tweets or their Facebook or whatever. And they're just like, like, I don't know if I can sleep tonight or I don't know if like I can think straight this whole week or like they got sick. I'm like, guys, just shut off your phone. Just yeah. shut off your computer. Shut off your TV. Calm yourself. Relax yourself. Take a take a cold ass shower. Go <laughs> walk. Go walk in the park. Go somewhere with a mask on, of course. And just go out there and just like clear your fucking mind from the from the trash that's going on right now. And thankfully, you know, <laughs> thankfully these fuckers are getting their 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 due. <laughs> I struggle with it a lot with how much like i know i know i can't do a ton from here but also how much is my turning away and ignoring it just a sign of like my privilege because there's people that have to live with this type of not not necessarily the capital but like i'm i'm talking more generally about like the black lives matter protests yeah. and the you know the kids in cages protests which i did i did go to some of those protests how much of me turning away to decompress is is my privilege because i don't have to live with it every day it's me being a like a like my like my white liberal guilt of how much should I be doing more? I don't know. It, it's been a rough year for everybody. Everybody's having a rough year, but I guess part of my dealing with it obviously is keeping the show going. Like I, I, it's giving me something to focus on. I could see myself just still wallowing in misery, but now that, that I have this show, it gives uh -huh. me a chance to talk to people. Like it's a diversion, but it's also a focus for me like a focal point to keep myself going 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, like we, we need, we need that creative outlet to, you know, stay sane, you know, especially during this uh, pandemic or like all the protests and like the capital thing, like we all need something to kind of focus on something else, you know, so we don't go super crazy. So you were on here before and I have a big apology I need to make to you because Why is that? our episode went three and a half hours long. Yeah. <laughs> It, a lot of that was kind of like either either bullshitting stuff that we just kind of didn't expect to be in the show or uh, there were a couple of problems with Zoom. Uh, you can hear in the final edit of the show, there's one I just couldn't I couldn't edit around that mistake. So we I, I kept it in. But the episode was like three and a half hours long and I was really worried about keeping my show to a tight schedule. So I edited it down from three and a half hours to I think the final one is about an hour and 40 minutes. And I feel bad. I need to apologize to you because a lot of that stuff I cut out was actually really, really good. And I meant to release a bonus episode, which is just all of the tangents we went on, all of the, yeah. the side conversations. And I accidentally deleted that file. And <laughs> I would not have cut all of that. Uh, some of that I would have kept in if I had the only reason I cut it was because I thought, oh, this will be good in like a little bonus thing. Yeah. And the fact that that bonus thing has not yet come out, I, I feel bad. I, <laughs> I feel like I need to apologize. Like I just butchered our conversation. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You know, you know, that's, that's the, uh, that's the life of being a podcaster. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you have gold and you want to put it aside and then it, the computer fucks up or something. So well, it's, the it's original, audio like our original entire zoom conversation is on is still there but at this point i would have to listen to our episode again and then that entire three and a half hours to know what stuff i had already put out and what i need to cut out i, I feel like i need i should do it but i'm also like it's it's just kind of a lot of tedious work so you could literally do a brand new episode just call it episode five special edition yeah, we, we could do that kind of like uh, one of the movies we're discussing today. We yes, exactly. A, a special edition. I was I was just thinking about that when you were when you started talking. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just release as a bonus episode the three and a half hour cut, and we'll see <laughs> we'll see who the diehards are. Yeah. Yes. Actually. Yeah. This is this is a test your podcast fans right now. Yeah. I won't. I won't. I won't do any editing to it. I won't take out any of the Zoom stuff. I won't take out any of the moment where we disconnect and I'm just on the audio going, hello? I guess you can't hear me. Hello? You know what? I'd probably be listening to that. Actually, that would actually be my entire work uh, work day at, at work. <laughs> no, make it the George Lucas cut. Just add in a little bit of flair, you know? Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> add some, some flair to it. We'll we'll do some morning DJ shit. Have some sound bites like dropped in for no reason. Yeah, get some cartoon, cart, cartoon, cartoon boinks. You get some uh, just you know, like in Hudson Hawk. You know, there's, there's plenty of cartoon uh, sound effects in that. Why not on this podcast episode? Yeah, and hey, like segue, the, your episode, episode five, was cartoon violence, which I think is kind of a theme with you. I, I just feel like every time you're going to be on, we're going to be talking about some violent, violent <laughs> shit. That's that's really lovely. I'm the I'm the violent I'm the violent co-host. That's great. So, how about we kind of get into it? Let's open up this theme here. All Our right. theme today is the kids aren't all right. 
So All right. let's discuss this. Take a break. You guys listening, listen to the trailer for one of our movies, and we'll be right back. Hey, Mara. This is the guy. This is Pick Dylan. Ew! You sent her a pick? No, that would be gross. He sent me pictures of Richards. <laughs> That's worse. Can't keep me down any longer. Tell me something, just for me. First time I saw you, Jed tried wrapping his arm around you. <laughs> it was a good first impression. was cute, airy, hardly a reason to pop like a zit. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like, like a bomb? No, like a balloon? What? Will I get these back? Do you want these back? And the hell are they gonna let us out of here? When they know it's not gonna happen again. Then what's gonna happen again? It happened again a lot. You know you Listen, everyone's scared. Duh, duh. Kids are literally blowing up. I think they're doing tests on us. What's your name for the record, please? You can ask my lawyer. I have a moment for you where I knew I liked you. You like me? I'm just so glad I didn't explode all over you. <laughs> Watch me run, I'm fast like lightning, run, go, run, I'm going on. What's gonna happen to us? Well, at least now you can't say things were so much harder back in my day. You're right. You have a way worse. Spontaneous is the directorial debut of Brian Duffield, working from a script he wrote based on the novel by Aaron Starmer. When the senior class of Covington High begins spontaneously combusting, Dylan and Mara form a deep attachment and embark on your typical teen movie romance. Typical, except that anyone can pop like a balloon full of blood at any moment. This was one of my favorite movies of last year. Uh, okay. I, I mean no disrespect to Spontaneous when I say this, though. I did not watch a ton of new movies last year. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, with theaters being closed, there's ways I could have seen a lot of them, but I, I, I didn't uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. But... Of the movies I saw, I saw like uh, about 20 of the movies from last year. Of the ones that I saw, this is in my top five. And wow, I saw your letterboxed review, so I think maybe I like this one a little bit more than you. I should give kind of a little explanation how I saw this movie since I wasn't seeing too many new movies last year. Yeah, go ahead. Is that there's a um, I'm going to give them a shout out. There's a podcast I've been following for close to a decade now, The Projection Booth. It is like the gold standard in my eyes of what an informative movie podcast can be. It's the type of stuff I'm not even going to try to do here where he'll have a three and a half hour episode to a 90 minute movie. I follow, I follow him on Twitter and sometimes he gets these uh, digital downloads to give away. And one of the ones I got from him was spontaneous. And I, I sat on it for a little while, but on election day, <laughs> We all needed a distraction, and my distraction was Salem's Lot, the 70s version, and uh -huh. this. And this was such a breath of, of fresh air. It was such a light shining on that very, very enervating day. 
like everybody was on edge. And I, I thought maybe my emotional state that day contributed to me calling this one of my favorite movies of last year because mm-hmm. it, it just like cheered me up so much and I got so into it. But then as a, as a counterpoint, I watched it again on inauguration day, which, <laughs> okay. which is such a, a weird counterpoint, like, like, well, a really nerve wracking day versus one where everybody in America seems to be breathing a little bit, a, a bit of a sigh of relief. Yeah. And I still really liked it. Uh, so watching it again on an, on inauguration day, uh-huh. I still enjoyed it. I will admit, I mean, it's a light movie. It is a fun movie. It is not a like Citizen Kane or 2001. It's like not an epic movie. It is a young adult movie. But I think for what what it is doing and what it is trying to do, it is very charming and it it succeeds at what it is attempting to do. But what what do you think? What do you what were your thoughts of this? You had not seen this before. I've not seen it. I've not heard of it until you told me about it. So I'm like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll go with it. So, you know, popped it in. I, uh, I saw it on Epics. And uh, I, you know, for all in all, I, I mean, look, I, I, I know you just I know you just said that you saw my letterbox review. And I and honestly, like I, I didn't I, I it was definitely a surprising movie because it's something that um, I obviously I, I was, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a film like this before especially like a coming of age story. Like I'm not, I'm not a big, huge fan of coming of age stories, but I mean, there are a few that I do enjoy, but this one was, was kind of a weird, a unique film because I, I love unique, especially. Okay. So I, I know I'm all over the place right now, but I, I really fucking hate romantic movies or oh. love. I hate fucking love stories, but I love love stories that go out of the box. Like Punch Drunk Love is a great example. That film is the weirdest love story I've ever seen in my entire life. And I love it. Like it's something fresh, something original, something new, nothing like, you know, boy meets girl. They fall in love, all this bullshit. Like I hate, like I, I love story is probably considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Fuck that movie. It's just I, I okay, I know I know I don't I know if it is anymore. I think I think that movie is kind of not really well regarded this this now, if people remember it at all. I mean it just looks horribly dated. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, much. I'll agree. But the, the music is good. It has that great, you know, theme. Yeah. But the but but I'm just not a big fan of those. And 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 I'm sorry, I think Titanic is super overrated. Because it's just a typical point A to point B love story on a ship. But everyone keeps saying, oh, it's the greatest love story that's ever been told. Oh, fuck off with that shit. James Cameron's best move, best, best last movie was True Lies. That's, I feel like he should have ended his career after True Lies. Oh, because after that, yeah. it's all been shit. I have to admit, we talked about this on my, uh, well, to you, it's upcoming, but it'll have been a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, but we talk about it on, the next episode where we discuss Terminator two and I haven't seen anything Cameron has done post true lies. I never saw Titanic and I never saw avatar. What? So what? I know, I know, but I kind of want to, I kind of want to see those eventually, but at the, at the same time, James Cameron currently has a 100% track record. Like he is, 
not made a bad movie in my experience. Because you stopped the true lies. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> because yes, but before you know, prior to True Lies, like he's yeah, he's made amazing films. I mean, Terminator, Terminator Two. I, I'm not gonna lie, I enjoyed Rambo too. You know that he co-wrote with Stallone. You know, and I enjoyed like, and again, I enjoyed True Lies, The Abyss. Um, fuck, I'm oh my god, I'm, I'm blanking aliens. out on alien the aliens. You know, and but I I think they're all just really damn good movies. Eventually, I know I will see it. Yeah, I feel like our next episode should be Titanic and something else. A Night to Remember, maybe? Is that it? Is that that's the other Titanic movie, right? That's, yeah, that's the other Titanic movie. Yeah, yeah. Or, maybe, or, maybe. There's, or there's Titanic starring Robert Wagner. Yeah, well, maybe Titanic and Poseidon Adventure, but we should do this. <laughs> Ooh, that's actually, actually, that could be a better thing. <laughs> Cleanse my palate with the Poseidon Adventure. And I just saw that for the first time a couple of years ago at the New Beverly. I'm I'm editing some of this out because maybe we will do that, but I've never seen Poseidon Adventure. Oh, it's so good. That film is so much fun. But um, anyways, yeah, so... Um, yeah, back to spontaneous. <laughs> I was going to say, let's <laughs> back into spontaneous. But okay, so with the love story, yes, I'm not a big fan of love stories. And I think... But this film, it, it, it... Again, it's something different, you know, uh, especially with the people uh, spontaneously exploding. That that was a nice uh, refreshment right there, but um, we we could do spoilers, right? Oh, definitely. We we are, yeah. I I don't even say it at the beginning anymore, but people should know we're we're going to go through the plot, and it will okay. contain spoilers. Okay, so oh, what I would say, probably like towards the halfway point of the film, we never got to see the actual kids exploding. We just saw them like off camera exploding which still was pretty cool because it was practical we didn't it wasn't cg blood which we'll get to on the other film yeah in a, in a little bit so that was a that was kind of cool actually seeing a realistic you know blood spewing out and whatnot but yeah there was a couple of like you know cg blood moments in the movie but mo i would say 80 percent of it was pretty much practical i i would but, i would say i'm sure they use digital blood here and mm -hmm. there but yeah. i on two viewings i could not point it out it all looked good to me like a lot of times digital blood stands out sticks out like a sore thumb and it, it looks terrible but in this if they used digital blood it looked good to me Oh, yeah. I mean, because, again, it, it looks like it was a kind of a I wouldn't say a shoestring budget because you didn't because when you see somebody explode, you just it literally looks like, a like you said, a balloon popping. And we don't see we don't see that much guts and intestines or anything. So I feel like they had they had a budget, but the budget was only for blood, <laughs> gallons and gallons of blood. Not for, you know, additional intestines and eyes and legs and arms and whatever. Well, I, I, I kind of like that. that I did too. I did too. It, it isn't like, it isn't super full of viscera because it's such uh, a, well, it makes it a little less visceral. If they had like piles of guts dripping off of everything, it would really, <laughs> it would really dampen a lot of the comedy around some of these moments. But yeah. um, it's both a cool looking effect and... I guess maybe a little bit cleaner in the story that they're trying to tell. True. Although very, very messy on the screen. It oh, is absolutely. It, it is uh it, it it kind of like fits into the story better than if it was much gorier. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, like I like I like that part. Yeah, I'm not shunning it at all, but uh, what else? Th- there's a few things I did definitely liked about it. I-, I did like the interaction with the best friend, especially the uh, the backstory of, of the uh, what's it called when the- she uh, w- uh, what's her name the the main actress what's her character's name? Oh, uh, well, main actress is Mara, and her friend is Tara. Correct? Correct? I think so. Yeah. So uh, when she had a uh, when she was doing uh, shrooms in her tea and then they're going back and saying like how they're going to be best friends forever at, when they're as kids. But what made me laugh so hard is after they're like, yeah, best friends forever. She, the, the, the younger version of her grabs a whole little thing of like, like actual mushrooms dumps it on her tea. And she's like, yeah, I just, I just lost it because it was such a very innocent moment. Yeah. It, it's funny. And I love their, Oh, by the way, the best friend is Tess. I don't know why I yes. said Tara, but okay. the, um, I love their the explanation for when they were kids. They saw the two baller old chicks in kimonos smoking a hookah with their yeah. feet in the sand, and so their lifelong goal is to just live on a beach in kimonos and smoke a hookah. Um, it there's I don't know I I get what you're saying about love stories and coming of age stories. I am more open to coming of age stories i do like like that format sometimes uh-huh. i'm also i i kind of like ya young adult stuff and mm-hmm. i'm not a huge fan of it there's a lot of it that's terrible there's a lot of it that i just am not interested in seeing but i also like you know supernatural high school bullshit even some pretty bad young adult mo- movies i'm like this is kind of fun like that one beautiful creatures who was it that was in that? It was, uh, uh, oh, it had like a really campy Jeremy Irons with his like New Orleans accent. That's and, right. And I think Emma Thompson's in it as well. Yeah. And it's it's a bad movie, but it's just like that. I'm just saying that uh, young adult isn't my favorite genre. I don't go out of my way for it, but I am open or I, like I'm more open-minded, I think, about that, that genre as a whole. And oh. so... I, I was kind of on board with this movie and it helps that it has some very likable leads. Haley law plays Tess. Tess is great. The best friend. I think uh, Catherine Langford as Mara is really good. I think Dylan as Charlie Plummer makes the movie like he could make the movie a little bit too twee and cute. <laughs> like their, oh, their, yeah. their relationship is a little bit of like high school film nerd wish fulfillment where that she gets and loves all of his references and thinks they're cute and fun when uh-huh. you, know, you can see i mean i could see myself uh i i just know what a shithead i was in high school where i could see yeah. myself thinking i was being like cool like him but i'm just a creepy weirdo that wants to talk to everybody about david lynch and hellraiser <laughs> <laughs> And dude, I, I was look, I was the fat friend. So there's no chance in hell I could I could get like a girl in high school. I, I'm yeah, I'm just saying their relationship is very cute. Like I watch it and I like it and I smile, but I also think like it it's not gonna happen this way. High school kids, especially high school boys, are not that well put together. <laughs> like he's he's awkward in like a, a yeah. cute and cool way, like um <laughs> like not not like Hugh Grant but you know like Hugh Grant had that bumbling charming persona and he's got yeah. that like he's got that same thing where he's he's awkward in a way that is charming and it's 
<laughs> I just don't think high school boys are capable of doing that. <laughs> so, no, I mean, that's you're you're probably right on that. Actually, <laughs> so um, <laughs> this this movie kind of like immediately, even before the spontaneous combustion happens, when the spontaneous combustion happens, pre credits, but are pre titles, mm-hmm. but um, even before that, this is kind of a fantasy world. Like it it is these kids are all like rich or if not rich they all have like two-story houses and are able to buy their own cars so it's like it, it it's almost in a john hughes world yeah like the movie that i most thought of on my second viewing especially mm-hmm. was heathers spontaneous is kind of like heathers without the cynicism where it's still sarcastic it's still got some irony but it is a altogether more optimistic movie in the end all right uh but i will just say like this is probably a simplistic and cliche thing to say but Mm -hmm. i felt the movie felt kind of fresh and vibrant like it just had a real energy and life to it that i i loved brian duffield who directed it this is his first movie and he directed the hell out of this movie it's not like overly flashy but the camera is always kind of tracking and whipping around and that especially that scene where dylan explains to the camera his years-long crush on mara i definitely enjoyed that scene though yeah he kind of guides her through like he narrates it and kind of guides her through all the things that she missed that he was noticing yeah and it's like scorsese for the young adult crowd (laughs) yeah that's true i mean i could see i i could see this type of scene in goodfellas (laughs) Mm-hmm. not not really i mean this scene wouldn't be in it but I'm just <laughs> the way he films it could be like could be like something out of goodfellas yeah 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 i mean absolutely i mean <clears throat> but like i said i mean i i i definitely i i know i gave it a three star out of five but that was just but i i definitely think it was original i definitely uh, like you said it was kind of a nice fresh it was a little fresh you know and it was and like i said to you earlier i think this i consider this a very out of the box type love story but yes there is there are the, the typical you know moments that i'm not a fan of but there's other moments that i'm like yeah i like this i, I like where this is going but when it gets to the actual part when everybody's now going is combusting left and right left and right that was a great scene by the way especially especially there's one shot where there's this whole pool of blood like just falls down from the stuff from the yeah. from the stairs i'm like damn <laughs> that was intense it gets super super bloody this is r-rated oh yeah and <clears throat> for language and this blood but it's not like it's not sexual it's not like there's no nudity well there is a there is a there is sexual talk, but it's not really, I mean, it's not bad. It's, I watched this with my daughter, but my daughter, yeah. like I said, is she's a teenager herself. Mm-hmm. She's, she is now 17. So okay. this is fine for her. And I would have been fine showing this to her a couple of years ago, even because it, the blood and everything is in there, but it's not dark. Like, and yeah. it's, it's not unpleasant and it's not just there to, um, uh shock you i mean I, that's weird to say because obviously the the explosions are there to shock you but i'm just yeah it, like the point of the movie isn't to be extreme um it's a young adult it is completely a young adult movie i'm assuming the book was young adult as well yeah but but see i, but I like young, the, ad, young uh, adult with emphasis on the adult i would say yeah 
No, but the thing is, I, what I liked about it, especially the the combustion scenes, like they uh, I uh, they didn't water it down. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't not all of it off camera. You just hear a sound effect and barely any blood. It's fucking bloody. When it's bloody, it's bloody. You know, so that's what I like because that's the problem with some young adult films. Like when it's like okay, for instance, the the Hunger Games. Which like, we'll be talking about later as well, I'm sure. <laughs> it, yes, absolutely. And with that film, like, you could go bloody on that because they're fucking kids killing kids with axes and guns and arrows and all that. But it's just so... Uh, it, it, that was the thing that bothered me about that film is because, you know, get bloody. They're, you're killing each other for fuck's sake, you know? But you, you you just you gotta you gotta like play it safe for if kids want to watch this you know and and that's they should have taken that chance, but again we'll we'll talk about that later on in, on the show. But the thing I really I'm not uh, now I'm gonna sound like a complete asshole when I when I say this now, but um I, I part of me did not want them to be um the the two main characters the uh, I did not want them to make it. Or one of them, I didn't want one of them to make it. So then once you find, after that whole scene of the, the the spontaneous explosions of a ton of more people towards the halfway point, I think, we both see them like lock eyes. They're like, oh, we made it. We made it. Yeah. And then suddenly, boom, Dylan, uh, Dylan fucking explodes. When that happened, I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> I'm like, good. Is that because you don't like romance and you're a cold hearted bastard? Or is it because you didn't? <laughs> Or is it that you just didn't like Dylan? I think it's because, well, besides being a cold-hearted bastard, I just, I feel like it, it would just be very um, mainstream. I think it's just very much like just by the book, romantic love story, uh, happy Hollywood ending. If you have him survive this, if you had him survive it, it, it it'd be a, just a, another typical Hollywood love story ending. Yeah. I, I think I was sad uh sad like to a point when dylan died and that's because i did like the character the character like really especially on a second watch verges towards being unlikably cute like a screenwriter's invention mm -hmm. but i thought charlie Plummer performed the character well enough that i i forgave things that i thought weren't realistic about his character uh-huh and I, not being a cold-hearted bastard, I, <laughs> I appreciated their romance. Like I, I was like, oh, this is cute. I want these kids to make it. So I, I was like, oh, it's a bummer that he's not going to be in the rest of this movie. But mm -hmm. also, I recognize it is completely the right choice. Like this is, this movie needs to hurt a little bit. Otherwise, it, there's no point to it. There's no point to having the kids explode. There's no point to the threat unless the threat hurts you a bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it, it made me even like smile more like at the end of the film when you have, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mara have, doing that monologue at the end of the film once they, once all the combustions are now over with and she's going to go up to college and that lasted the last monologue. Yeah, I think it, it's, it, it, it wrapped up beautifully. It did. And I will tell you, I am much happier that Dylan died than Tess. <laughs> like if it'd be sad if Tara, if, uh, if uh, uh, Tess died. Yeah. You know, Mara is going to make it through the movie because she's narrating it from some point in the future. But mm -hmm. uh, you, you just knew at least 
like the law of screenwriting, either Dylan or Tess, somebody close to the character has to die. And yeah. I am glad that Tess is still alive in the world of this movie. Even if, you know, I, I, even if I was rooting for that romance and did not want one of them to have to die. Yeah. But you talked about that ending and that ending for kind of a, a movie that does for a while seem to be getting off on the shock of it all of just mm -hmm. like, Oh man, we're, we're killing all these kids. These kids are just like exploding. And you do get to realize like, okay, once a character we haven't met before starts talking a lot, they're about to explode. The ending really ties it all together. I love that like, like the explosions aren't a metaphor for a single threat. You can mm -hmm. see this as like the explosions in a different story as being a metaphor for sexually transmitted diseases or even mm -hmm. school shooters or yeah. the just the general minefield of high school life, but it's not really a metaphor for anything in specific. It's kind of a metaphor for just embrace life because terrible things are always going to happen. And yeah. I like how it becomes an exploration of how we, like we were talking about in the beginning, oh, it ties in with our conversation about our lives from the past couple of years, where how do we live? How do we uh, justify enjoying life? when senseless tragedies happen all the time, when mm -hmm. we know they could happen to us, but we also know that they're happening to other people. It, it's like how the, the movie is kind of an exploration of how we deal with that. Yeah. I would say, like I said, this movie is optimistic and I think it is, it's optimistic and hopeful. I mean, it is hopeful as hell. That ending of this movie is like as triumphant as you can get, despite the buckets of uh, very funny blood that just get thrown on everybody. Uh-huh. What did you think about exploding as a way to go? Because I was like, was watching it this time and I kind of knew, I remembered who was going to die, but also like, I started to think like, what, how would I live knowing I could just pop for no reason, like any time or the person next to me, like there's a scene later in the movie where she gets, she comes home uh it's it's right after everybody's exploded like that big just like pop 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 of everybody in yeah, the high yeah. school and uh -huh. she's at home and her parents are sleeping in the bed with her with their arms around her and i was like she could just pop at any moment and that that like that fear of it could just happen or there's like um dylan says it after they ha uh they have sex for the first time where he was yeah. just like oh god i was just i'm just so happy i didn't explode <laughs> and <laughs> they, make a, they make a sexual joke out of it, but it's just like, yeah, how fucked up would that be if you're having sex with somebody and they explode, like not like in a forceful explosion, but just like suddenly there is blood all over you. It just it's made not the first so time that's happened. Hey, yo, <laughs> it, it just made me so vicariously nervous. Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. I mean, but I mean, look, I mean, we like, like you said, we, we all like, who, who knows how we're going to go. And yeah, if like, what, what, like right now at, at your state, at your state, like if people were exploding in the real world, like, and you were like paranoid of what's going to happen if you explode or not, like what, what, what's, what would go through your head? Yeah. Well, there's also, this movie was made pre pandemic. It came yes. out in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And, this movie, so this movie doesn't really address it. You can't like map this movie onto what we're experiencing in real life. Uh, but just the the nervousness of the people not being sure how it at first, the, the movie never explains why people are exploding. 
and eventually it just stops. But like that, that nervousness of not knowing how you're going to get it, thinking you might be able to catch it. There's the one character who goes around like covering himself, like every inch of himself in like sweaters and goggles and uh, like yeah. duct tape. Uh -huh. And, you know, being tested on and being kept in the hospital. And I thought about it like I went to the store yesterday and I go to the store once every two weeks these days. But the numbers here in California are terrifying. And this is the first time I've left my house where I've actually been kind of like nervous. So this movie, I think I think parts of this movie hit differently now. Like everything will. Everything hits differently now than it did a year ago. I'm not even sure what my point was. <laughs> I'm just saying like. Uh, there's a little bit of it here that is has interesting parallels. Not a lot of them, but they're there. But I, it, it surprised me that basically they they do mention you know you know our president is a piece of shit. Oh yeah, they mentioned Trump, and yeah, I, I cannot tell you how happy I will be when he is not in things, uh, even as a joke when they're making fun of him. Like, did you see the new season of the Animaniacs? I haven't finished it yet. Okay, well, Trump shows up a few times. They just they just make jokes about Trump. Uh -huh. And they're always funny. Like, I do love the new Animaniacs, but every time they made a joke, I was just like, well, that's a bummer. I don't want to think about him right now. I want him to be fucking gone from everything. I never want to have to think about him again. Well, then don't watch Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> yeah, what was I just... Oh, somebody was like... Um, my friend just watched Zoolander. He's like, oh, I just want a fun movie tonight. And he pops in Zoolander and he's like, oh, well, there's... Fuck this and had to turn it off. Oh, that's right. He's in that too. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Like, yeah, that's that's the problem. Like, uh, what's it called? In, in, in Scrooge, when uh, I guess when Bill Murray's uh, below the sewer, he makes a joke. He's like, "Where? Ooh, where am I in Tower?" That joke played so well. Like, when this is like a year after I liked it in 2017 around Christmas time, uh, seeing Scrooge at the New Bev. When that joke hit people just roared with laughter and applauded if unless i'm hearing about him being put on trial i kind of don't want to hear anything about him anymore oh no oh no i blocked him on twitter like when when he was on twitter and i blocked everything that was related to him because i i feel like you should just bleep his name on this podcast if we can I say might. fuck shit and whatever but just say the word just bleep that out but anyways, but yeah, the, but the point is, is that um, it's going to be a nice big relief when we don't have to hear his name or see his fucking face ever again, you know? Yeah. I forgot that that joke was in there, but this time in the movie, I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, I was going to say about the death, like the, I was thinking about it this time, like as, as scary as it looks, it looks like it's not actually that bad of a way to go. It doesn't seem to be giving anybody any pain like nobody has any signs that they're about to explode they're just in the middle of doing whatever they're doing they're like in the middle of a sentence and they just they go they pop it, like like i said it doesn't get, seem to be giving anybody any pain it's instantaneous i'm like well that's not that bad of a way to die <laughs> there's a lot worse ways you can go <laughs> it's just it's horrible for the people that are left behind and the nervous waiting for it like that's the part i just think i would I, w I don't know how people would be able to function like they do in this movie, but I guess if anything, the last four years have told us you can get used to anything. It's true. That's absolutely true. I mean, but, but no, all in all, as a film, like I, I did enjoy it. 
it like I said, it had some great surprising like explosions. It, I love the practicalness of the blood. Uh, I'm glad you know Dylan was the one to explode and not Tess. And yeah, I mean, there's some really there's some good funny moments as well in this film, you know. And, but yeah, all, all in all, like it it was it was an enjoyable film. I, I'll definitely say that. I I liked it. I showed it to my oldest daughter, like I said, mm-hmm. and she liked it. And I. I mean, I, I think I'll go back to this. I just, it is a light movie, but it is fun. It moves along at a good pace. Mm-hmm. I do think that once we get into the third act after Dylan has died, because Dylan dying kind of is the beginning of, or the end of the second beginning of the third act of this movie. Yes. And absolutely. I think the movie gets a little aimless for a while. And that, that that's kind of by intention because at this point, Mara is aimless and, is just getting drunk like permanently drunk yeah alienating everybody that it it's kind of an inescapable part of this movie like that there's nothing more they could have done but it becomes a little less enjoyable the movie doesn't seem to be moving anymore and it's not as fun to see this character who is very bright like a very fun presence become miserable it's not fun to spend like 20 minutes with her moping yeah. Like like I'm saying, like I don't know what they could have done differently. I'm not I'm not gonna say it's a mistake on anybody's part. And uh-huh. certainly she's still giving a good performance. I just it, it kind of drags a little bit for me at the end, but I think this is one I will definitely be returning to. Oh yeah. I mean actually I kinda like the the the, uh, the moment when she gets her diploma for the prom graduation scene that she you know she's apologizing and then every it it became the I am Spartacus moment because everybody started apologizing uh, the reason why you know this is going on I kind of like that part as kind of like that part I like that part as well I think that's when the movie really starts to pick up because that's also when mm-hmm. she realizes that she's been doing the thing all high school kids make or all, all high school kids do and actually a lot of people do in their regular lives is they blame themselves as an act of kind of narcissism where she thinks like she gets the idea. People are talking online that she's the one that's causing it. Cause she's there for every time somebody explodes. Yeah. But, but she goes up there and says, she's sorry for it. And then a bunch of other people, like you said, come out and say like, Oh no, I caused it. I caused it. It was because I'm not a good enough Christian. Uh, it's because I wanted to be the top of the class, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, it's making it about them. Like, of course they're the one that's doing it. It's a, it's a random thing it's just something the universe has done and uh tess has that thing like the infinite monkey theorem where you put an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of typewriters in an infinite amount of time eventually they'll write shakespeare yes where where if it can happen it will happen given an infinite amount of time so um it's just completely random but everybody is looking for a reason and making it about themselves only seeing it through their eyes and that kind of leads uh, Mara to the <clears throat> to the the growth and epiphanies of the end of the movie. So I think that's like that's a really good scene. You're right. I like that that moment. But yeah, like you said, it kind of picks up again once that scene happened. But and again, and, it, and it, I think it ends perfectly. You know, for a split moment, for a split moment, I thought she was going to explode and then credits. But I'm actually very glad that she didn't explode. As yeah. one last, you know, and, one last explosion, you know? Yeah. How do you feel about the fact that they never explain why it's happening? Well, I mean, I guess I just did where they, they explain it's just random and because we have, it's, if I, it can't happen, it will. 
okay so before we talked about it i I think after i saw the film i think that's the reason why i kind of gave it a three because i'm like wait so why were they exploding like there was no cause of it or anything like but then after you and i have been talking about it uh, for the for this for this time like i i think i might bump it up to a four because it does you know it it happens it just happens you know, yeah. you, there's no explanation, but I mean, I, I, I kind of am warming up to that, to that aspect. I like that kind of trope. I mean, not that trope, but I like less explanation. Sometimes there's a, uh, there's a difference between mystery and confusion. And sometimes a movie can withhold explanation to the point that it's just confusing, but this mm-hmm. one withholds it to the point where it's just like, well, it doesn't really matter. This happened. You don't need to know what's going on. And that I, I do enjoy that trope and so you you say you're gonna bump it up to a four that's what i gave it on letterboxd okay um i I, i've got to get better at giving fives i don't know why i'm so stingy with them because it's just it's me i don't know why i'm like (laughs) it's nobody else's rating but there's something that holds me back like i find it very hard to give a movie five stars unless i've seen it multiple times so maybe this one's on its way but by, by the way, I, I appreciate you looking at my Letterboxd. <laughs> I often forget that Letterboxd has a social function. <laughs> I, Me too. I, I started Letterboxd like two years ago and I just stopped. And then recently again, I'm like, you know what? I need to go back in it and try to be last year would have been the perfect year for me having Letterboxd. But like, I, I just felt like I need to, you know, go back into it this year. Because I mean, so far I've seen at least nine movies in the in the month of January at least. Yeah. And I mean, they've all been you know very interesting. You know, I've I've seen Spontaneous and a film called The Bermuda Depths. No, The Bermuda Depths that aired like a week and a half before I was born. So. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, it's a TV movie, and I saw it. They must have they reran it, and I was super young. I was like five years old when I saw it. Hmm. But it stuck in my mind so much. I, I was too young to know like what romance was, but it still informed my idea of what like romance in movies should be. Like yeah. I just remember every time I hear, hear whale songs, that's what I think of is that movie. Really? Um, <laughs> it's, as soon as the Warner Archive put a DVD out, I'm like, fuck yes, I'm buying this. I've watched wow. it several times. I agree. It's not that great, but it's such a nostalgia thing for me. And I love that giant tortoise, Carl Weathers and Burl Ives in there. It, it, I just like ocean set movies, like kind of like supernatural yeah. films. And it, yeah, it, it's like, I have such a fond attachment to that movie that to hear anybody talk about it. So that's fucking no. amazing. <laughs> Again, like I've never heard of it before until that, that, uh, this past Monday. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a bad film. I enjoyed the film for what it is. I think we're about done with, with spontaneous. Do you have anything more that you wanted to say? Anything in your notes? No, uh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm good. And I'm, I'm ready to dive in into this, uh, this gargantuan of a, of a second movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big one. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. この国はすっかりダメになってしまいました。そこで今日は皆さんにちょっと殺し合いをしてもらいます。
In the near future, the Japanese government has grown so afraid and distrustful of youth that they have instituted what is colloquially known as the Battle Royale Act. Every year, one high school class is chosen at random to compete in a battle to the death set over three days on a deserted island until only one is left. If this sounds familiar, it's possibly because many fans leveled charges of plagiarism at Hunger Games author Suzanne Collins. Now, this movie came out in 2000, and for a myriad of legal reasons, which we will get into, I'm sure, yes. uh, it, it was not widely shown in America, though it, without being shown in America, without being available commercially in America, became a massive cult hit. Uh, I know so many people that had this DVD Companies actually made region-free DVDs just specifically so they could be sold here in America, and that's definitely how I got my copy way back when. Um, yeah. So I remember seeing this kind of in the early 2000s. What's the what's your history? When did you first hear and see this movie? Hear saw it. In- oh, sorry. Uh, I saw it in 2003 because my friend uh, Han Lee she recommended the movie to me, so she burnt me a uh, a DVD of it. And I was just like, okay, what is this? So I popped it in and that, and I, as I said on my letterbox review of it, I was blown away by it because it's something as, as a high, as a person who just graduated high school, I've never seen a film like this before, especially a Japanese film, because I I'm a big, I've been a fan of like, you know, Japanese cinema and whatnot, but I've never seen anything like this at that time. So I was like, I love this film and I need to find like, where is it? Where, where can I find it? And yeah, I found out later on that it's not, it's not available here in America. So what I had to do is I actually went to Amoeba at the old location now of this recording. We, uh, I, I, I went to the, the foreign, the foreign DVD. So I had to buy the UK version of it. Um, and um, luckily it was, a, I believe it was a region free, I believe. No, no, it was Region B. So I had a I had a portable um, universal uh, region free player. So I just played it on that. So that's how I got to see all the special features. And I realized that there was a special edition. And uh, and then, yeah, and then later on, I went to Spencer's Gifts and I'm like, oh, my God, they have one that's like region free. So I, I bought the Korean version of Battle Royale, but it also came with Battle Royale, too, which I was like, OK, I'm not familiar with this one. so. You know, long story short, it's not as good as the first one. Yeah. But then uh, around 2012 or 2011, 2012, uh, the uh, the silent movie theater actually had a, had its uh, had its big premiere. It was the first ever time they ever screened it in in L.A. in America. So of course, uh, I was I was uh, dating somebody at the time, 
And I was like, babe, we need to go watch this. I, I, I know, trust me, it's fucking incredible. And we came out of it both loving it. They screened the, from, from here on out, it's always been the special edition one, which I think we might get into later. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that, I'm sure. But yeah, I've just always had this infatuation with this film because I, I love the artwork. I love the story. I love the, just the, just the, 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 the brutality of it. <laughs> I was, it, it, it was just so incredible to me. So then finally Anchor Bay finally put out a, um, in 2012, I think that's when I first uh, got it. They finally put out a, uh, a Blu-ray for the first time in America and you get the, you get the special edition you get the theatrical cut as well as the second movie as well but, uh, but yeah but uh, revisiting it um, again because i haven't seen it in years but revisiting it for this podcast you know it's it still holds up it still really holds up minus the cg blood but again we'll get into that in a little bit but i think the performances are great uh beat takashi is is always is always incredible what's called? the the score is just fascinating to me because a lot of it's you know classical music it, it's it's not it, it's a lot of it's not an original score no you're right they use a lot of classical music cues but yeah i i i, I definitely enjoyed it just as much as i did when i uh, when i first saw it in 2003 on a bootleg yeah i i saw it it probably would have been 2003, 2004 as well. Uh, I saw a bootleg DVD and I had, um, I mean, I've always been a big, not always, I guess, since the late nineties, been a huge fan of Japanese horror and Japanese films. Like I, I would, you know, in high school, I started getting into anime, of course. And then, you know, you get into live action movies later on. I knew this movie's reputation. There've been a lot of claims that it was banned in America and it's not, it, it, it was just there there were legal reasons it never got released toy it was such a huge hit in japan that toy wanted uh, like a really wide rollout here in america yeah. and no studio really wanted to deal with it because i think it, it would have been a really big what's that it was also after columbine as well yeah yeah it's a year after columbine so i think i think an independent distributor could have made this a pretty good art house hit like i uh, clearly, it, it hasn't been available in America. Or it wasn't available in America for over a decade. And yet everybody knew about this movie. Everybody that cares about, you know, um, so, like cult action or, or foreign films knew or had seen this movie. It's clearly it would have it had an audience here. Yeah. But they just they didn't want they didn't want to go a small route. They wanted to go like a big rollout. And uh, no studio was going to bite at it right after Columbine. But oh, yeah. um. So yeah, I, I, same thing. I saw it on a bootleg DVD and then, yeah, in 2012, I just thought, Oh my God, there's a, there's a special edition. And I grabbed that same Blu-ray you're talking about. And I've seen this movie a few times over the years mm -hmm. and I will completely 100% agree with you. It holds up terrifically. I think it plays better now than it did in 2000. Watching it this time, I was like, it was kind of just like, Holy shit, this movie is good. I mean, um, the, act, the acting's top-notch. I the mean, acting I'm is top-notch. Fucking Takeshi, Pete Takeshi, Takeshi Kitano. He is so great in this movie. I I love him so much in those early scenes because he's, you know, his big thing is he's so stone-faced. He doesn't really react. He's very well, he plays stoic. plays super straight. And he does. And he, when he's talking to that class and he starts to put on that, like, really cheerful 
instructional video about what the class is going to do. I think that's, I think when I first saw that, when I first saw that, that's when it kind of sold me already because I already had that weird sense of humor in my mind uh, already in my life. So once that hit, I'm like, all right, this movie sold me. Yeah. Cause then he starts talking back to her. Like she's a really cheery, cheerful, <laughs> like pop idol type yeah, yeah. woman is like a pop. Yeah. Is, um, is, telling them about how they're going to have to fight to the death. But she's like going, uh, she's like going, Ohio Gathimas. And he like yells back at the TV. And he's trying to get yeah. the kids to go get into it. Like they're watching a kid's show. It, yeah. It, but it's, it's just so funny to see, see that. And uh, Takeshi Kitano is always so good. Um, but yeah, it, it plays better this time. I was thinking when I watched it, mm-hmm. because there've been discussions over the years of, a, of an American remake. Yes. And or an American TV show is one thing that they were thinking about doing. I think um, WB was considering it as a TV show. For a <laughs> what? Yeah, it never got beyond. But the, the Japanese production company said that they were in talks with um, either the WB or the CW. I can't remember if it had switched over yet, but I, they were I, in talks. I've never heard of the TV show, but I've heard about the movie. I heard they wanted to remake the movie, though. Yeah, they were thinking about buying the underlying book so that they could expand the book as an hour-long TV series. It would not work. Yeah, but with a remake, if if they remake this, it's either Paul Verhoeven or Get the Fuck Out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I I was watching it. There's something about the way that it opens, the font of the title text when it comes up, the music the way that the action scenes are lit, even everything about it was like, man, Paul Verhoeven would crush this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Even though I, I, I say that, but Kinji Fukusaku who directed this, like as it kind of his last great movie after a couple of decades of being kind of stuck out in the weeds, this, he, uh, he does this movie so well. Uh, he's, he was, I don't know. He did a bunch of like the kind of like, um, yakuza films in the 70s and 60s and actually what what's actually i wanted to bring him up really quick uh there's a film that i've been wanting to see for years up until last year when somebody brought it uh brought it to me a film called the green slime oh yes that's a really fun movie and yeah, so he he did sci-fi he did like yeah. uh some samurai films but i think what he's most well known for are like like the yakuza films like battles without honor or humanity yeah but um, no, I think he, he does a great job. Uh, when I say that I want to see Paul Verhoeven doing this, I think it's just like, it, it strikes me like Paul Verhoeven style, but I think Kinji Fukusaku uh, does a terrific job. Absolutely. I mean, again, you could play this film super serious. You could play this film very overly, um, you know, overdone, but there's a great, ba- but this movie had a great balance of serious and, dark you know dark comedic moments like like a paul verhoeven film like robocop or total recall you know but i mean it's not it's i mean again you could play battle royale as a campy movie as well but but the way he directed it was so it was just perfect yeah it it was a perfect vehicle for him so the main story is uh shuya and noriko you know they're kind of they're high school sweethearts and i think the kids are supposed to be 15 in this movie Mm -hmm. um so they're the main story. Uh, they're trying to survive with, and they don't want to kill any of the other, their classmates. But then we get a bunch of vignettes as they travel through the island. We also leave them for a little while to see what some of the more villainous people are doing. Cause there's a couple of um, 
uh, transfer students, which are a bit older than them, that have been through this before. One yeah. got drugged back into it, and the other seems to have volunteered just because he wants to run around on the island and kill people. Um, I mean, so, is he getting paid to do it, or is he just doing it because it's for the fun? I kind of think he's just doing it for the fun. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. It doesn't really explain it, does it? I don't think. I don't think so. So, uh, so yeah, Shuya and Noriko form the basic story. Then we get other little things like, um, uh, I think one of the more memorable ones was uh, what's her name, Chiaku, Chiaki Kuriyama, who played Gogo in Kill Bill because yes. because of her performance in this movie as Takako, mm -hmm. and. Uh, then there's that lighthouse scene with the all the girls have holed up in the lighthouse and oh no, that's 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 a highlight of the film. That's it's, so good. It's so good, and um, yeah, he he juggles all of it. There there are a couple of things I think are a little bit confusing in a way that they don't need to be. Uh, some of the flashbacks are introduced in a very odd way. Not everybody now, gets a flashback, but there are, there are some character development moments in flashback. Well, well, just to just to point out really quick, we are you and I are talking about the special edition one, right? Oh, you know what? We're not. I am not anyway. Oh, okay. I meant to watch the special edition, but because <laughs> because I was looking at my DVD case wrong, I put in disc two, thinking that was the special edition, but the special edition is disc one. Yes. And I, I'm pretty sure I saw it. Well, like after I bought it, bought the Blu-ray set the first time I would have watched it. But oh. this time, this time I was watching it and going like, huh, maybe I just don't remember the special edition or the movie that well. Cause I can't really place what's different. And it turns out I'm just watching the regular <laughs> original version. Okay. I mean, look, I can explain to you. I mean, I'm, I'm going through a list right now, but I can explain to you a few things from the special edition. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So they added CGI blood. Um, so that was, I, I really thought the CGI blood was from the original cut, but I didn't know they added more CG blood to it. There was uh, some there, CG in the original cut. It, it It's better than a lot of CGI blood, but it's pretty noticeable now because the movie yeah. is 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a longer basketball sequence. Um, there, uh, There's a, a little more flashbacks uh, of... Uh, Mizuho and Inada and oh, I'm really butchering the hell out of this. And Minama, Minami, uh, oh, Minami, Minami, yeah, to remind, uh, to remind us who they were uh, before we we see them dead already. Also, there's a uh, there's a very really uncomfortable scene uh, where um, what's your name? Um, crap. Um, oh yeah, of a. Uh, Mitsuko as a nine-year-old uh, girl coming home to find a pedophile at her home. Oh yeah, yeah. I. I mean, I mean, she. I mean, she. She pushes them off the stair off the stairs. So it's not like there's any like crazy like moment that's about to happen. No, she just pushes them downstairs and kills them. So yay for her. But um, what's it called? But yeah, there's there's some like additional like additional shot additional stuff that was done for the special edition. There's other stuff I guess that was already shot when they did shoot it, but they just added a few little. Uh, they just kind of stretched out the scene. Um, but yeah, and then supposedly redone sound effects as well. But but that's what it is. That's what mainly what the special edition is all about. Yeah, and the 
there's a, a flashback scene, flashback slash dream sequence with Noriko and Kitano, the teacher, where they're just yeah. sitting at a riverbank eating ice cream or uh, like popsicles. Yeah. And in the special edition, I know there's dialogue, but in the regular movie, you don't hear any dialogue. Yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense, but the special edition kind of kind of makes, you know, it kind of makes more sense because I, I feel like he just is in love with her. Yeah, either he's in love with her or he views her as like a, a daughter figure, like his daughter actually actively hates him and yeah. he seems to hate his family, but he seems to have an attachment or a fondness for Noriko. And it's kind of interesting because he kills two kids in this movie. Yes. Um, yes. And he's not supposed to, but like one of them is talking after he's told them they can't talk and he <laughs> throws a knife at her. And the yeah. other one is just like not paying it, not listening is being a problem. So he activates the little collar on their neck that blows a hole in their neck and he's killing these kids and he's putting these kids out there to kill each other. He also oh. seems very fond of many of them. Like he, he Kitano, Takeshi Kitano plays oh. it with a very kind of good natured paternalism. Like he's killing them, but he seems like he's like, he, he is still rooting for them in a way. It's very bizarre, but it's very funny. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, what's it called? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, he, I, damn, it, something just slipped my mind right now that I was going to say, damn it. But, um, yeah, like, oh man, you know what? <laughs> Continue. Okay. Well, we're like the special edition stuff is weird. It's called the director's cut here in America, but everywhere else it's just known as battle Royale special edition because yeah. the majority of it very bizarrely for this type of thing was filmed after the movie had already become a theatrical hit. Like after it was a hit, the studio was like, Hey, film some more stuff for us. And they put it in and some of it, they actually just put in at the end. Like it's not yeah. put into the movie. It's an epilogue. Oh no, 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 actually it's, it's in the, it's in the movie, but no, so I know that. I know that it's just not like edited into the story. It's just like the movie ends and there's like these epilogues. Yeah. Which are, are, um, I don't know. It's really weird. I tried to look because I remember reading something years ago that it wasn't it wasn't um, that it wasn't Fukusaku's original choice. Kind of he did it at the studio request, not because he really wanted to, but uh -huh. I, I couldn't find anything about that. I couldn't find if that's it, 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 like verification of that. That's just my memory. So maybe I'm misremembering something. But okay, so actually, I want to ask you something. So if you're in this in this world of battle royale. And you're fighting with, you know, you basically you're with all your high school friends and you guys are just killing each other. But what if, okay, what if you, what if you accidentally are wanting to kill somebody, whether it be, uh, or like, uh, like you accidentally killed one of your female uh, high school friends. And then she pops up and says, damn it, Aaron. why, why did you have to shoot me? I actually had a crush on you. Like, <laughs> what, what would you say? Like, my, my, my answer would be like, God damn it. Are you serious? <laughs> Why didn't you tell me this? Like, that I, that I happens was, in this movie. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. I, I was, I thought I was just a fat friend. I, I fuck. <laughs> we could have done something. There's a lot of kids that just kind of get into the bloodlust of it. 
And then oh, yeah. there's a, 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 just as many kids kind of form these tenuous partnerships. Like, like it is survivor. Like they're, they're, they're forming these little packs and everything. Uh-huh. That there's that one guy, uh, what's his name? Who he, he's spending the entire movie searching for one girl. I think he's, it's Hiroki that he's trying to find. I think and so. He, he's kind of just going through these other vignettes that we see. And then he finally finds her and he's calling for her and she's scared that he's there to kill her and she shoots him. And then yeah. he's like, he's like, no, you've got to run now. They'll, they'll have heard the gunshots. You have to get out of here before they come for you. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, I've always had a crush on you. I was trying to help you. And then he dies. Like son of a bitch. Yeah. Really? So I have some questions about this movie and now, now is as good a time as any to bring hunger games into this because Yes. When Hunger Games came out, everybody was just like, oh, you just made Battle Royale. And Hunger Games, I think, is different enough that I'm I'm a little bit of a defender. I'm not the biggest Hunger Games fan, but I think I think it's unfair to just say it's a it's merely a Battle Royale clone. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a watered down Battle yeah, Royale clone. <laughs> kind of, kind of. I clearly I, I enjoy this better. And Hunger Games, like you're right, this is <laughs> Hunger like, Games hung- made for kids. It is. It is. It is clearly a YA. This is clearly an adult movie, and Hunger Games is for fourteen-year-olds. But I will say that this movie—I have never quite understood the world of this movie. I think this movie is more abstract and more visceral than Hunger Games. Like Hunger Games has a more logical world, a more logical political reason for the violence in it. Yeah. Battle Royale is much more metaphorical, but a lot bloodier and more action-packed. Battle Royale's explanation for why the kids are killing each other is so half-baked, I almost wish they hadn't spent so much time talking about it. Because <laughs> it, I cannot understand the type of world they live in where like, the kids are out of control. So we're just going to randomly pick one class, and they're going to go and have to kill each other. And in The Hunger Games, you, they do that because it's a way to keep keep them subservient through fear tactics in this it doesn't seem to be doing anything to control the kids because the kids in the cl- this class don't know what it is they get there and they're like what are you talking about what's the battle royale act which is also strange because yeah. at the very in the cold open it appears it's partially televised like there's that little girl that gets off out and they're like the winner is and the like the news is there covering it and they're like shouting and it's like seems like it's a big deal right so I, I just like I watch this. I'm like, this doesn't like I don't understand how this is all supposed to be working. But the movie around that is so good. I just wish that maybe either they had put a little more thought into it. Maybe it's more explained in the book or they hadn't quite explained it at all. It had just been like, we're just doing this to you because. Yeah, I honestly I mean, I was just along for the ride. Because, yeah, I mean, it's a great ride. It, it is really it, a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, look, it already sold me, like, I mean, it, it, Leslie, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm just like, I, I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely cool with it, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's so great. Like, we were talking about the uh, the lighthouse sequence. So, mm-hmm. uh, Shuya gets injured and separated from Noriko, and um, who's the guy? Is it? Kawada? Uh, the, the guy that's helping them? Yes, I think that's his name, Kawada. Kawada. 
is helping them and they all get separated or Shuya gets separated because he's injured and he gets picked up by this girl who knows him from obviously they're all in the class and he, she takes her back to the lighthouse. They lock him in the tower and there's a bunch of girls and they're kind of like, we're going to be peaceful. We're going to find a way to survive this mm-hmm. and we're not going to kill each other, but there's just trust. There's like one girl who's like, he's a killer. All the men are killers and tries to poison him. Somebody eats like the wrong person eats that dish. And so they all turn on each other, which is really like a centerpiece of the movie. I think it's one of the most memorable uh, vignettes in the whole thing. Oh, no, absolutely on that. That's what my, have you read any of the, the other source material, the manga or the novel? No, I haven't actually. Have you? Well, I read a little bit of the manga, uh, not all of it. And it's been years. I just remember it was much more graphic like in terms of the um the sexuality because uh what's her name mitsuko i believe yes the uh the the the, i guess the class uh (laughs) yeah the the, they call her the what's that class floozy yeah yeah because they talk about how she sleeps with everybody um not a big fan of saying the word slut so i'm just like eh, me either either. although i think they use that word in the movie but they do um, there's a scene where it's implied that she is had sex with two male students at the same time and killed them uh-huh. while they were like distracted because she's putting her clothes on and they're naked laying next to her with their hands on their bloody genitals. Um, yeah. So it's implied in this, but I just remember in the manga, there being a lot of like more actual, I mean, it, it wasn't hentai or anything. It wasn't. Oh well, yeah, of course. Porn, but it, it, it was more, graphic and then every every single character was given a a backstory of what their home life was like and we see a little bit of that for some characters but in this it was um it was every everybody yeah okay okay i'm i'm afraid i kind of don't have a ton to say about this movie because i just kind of i kind of like it like it is like a bunch of vignettes and it's just a bunch of kids killing each other and we could sit here and talk about how the kids kill each other and what our favorite scenes are but uh-huh. that's, that's not maybe as exciting <laughs> um, but uh, but i do th- uh, i mean if you want to do at least one kill i think my one of my favorite kills at least was the the the, the poison ramen the poison soup yeah because i i, I love a good uh blood blood splattered puke moment my favorite kill i think is when the guy the other transfer student with the uh kind of the red hair in a in a little bit of a fro yeah when he's fighting that one kid and the kid pretends to be dead like he has the the bulletproof vest and he pretends to have been killed i love the moment where he like sits up and he's like yes i survived and then turns around and the guy is standing on the roof and he pulls out the samurai sword and there's like the, yeah. the really cool dramatic lighting and he jumps down and cuts his head off uh, <laughs> and the music like comes in. It, it's the music is so great in this movie. Like all of the, I think it uses a lot of Wagner and a lot yes. of, a lot of Verde and, but it's so <laughs> like cool. Like this movie I feel bad saying it for a movie that is about high school students killing each other is very cool. 
No, it is. It, absolutely. I mean, you're not gonna I mean, trust me, this is this is the if you're offended by that, get the fuck don't listen to this fucking podcast. Yeah. Well, I want this podcast to go all over the place, but this is definitely one that's gonna uh, I don't know if it's gonna divide anybody, but I just this movie and, probably isn't for everybody. If you're listening to this podcast, it's for you. Battle yeah. Royale is a movie for you. Yeah, definitely. I think I think I think this movie is great. I think it holds up better now than or not holds up better, but I think I liked it better this time. Or maybe just every time I watch it, I'm like, this is a really good movie and kind of surprised. I showed it to my oldest daughter who's 17. Uh-huh. And I kind of was asking her, I wanted to see how it played for somebody who's living in a much different high school world than I was. Cause uh, Columbine happened three years after I graduated high school. Okay. And so I had a much different like take on it. I, I didn't have to deal with, you know, with metal detectors and my high school was open. There wasn't a fence around it. And my daughter, there's no high, metal detectors there, but everything, you know, LA schools are just completely locked down at all times. It, you can't get in there. They, I mean, she's had active shooter drills. They've, they've gone into lockdown several times. Um, luckily not for any actual shooter, but just out of an abundance of caution. So I wondered how this sort of violence, this sort of like, this sort of very, um, visceral violence among high school students would play to her. And and she liked the movie. So maybe, you know, people get used to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's our theme is we can get used to anything. Exactly. No, um, I, I wanted to bring one more, uh, one more scene up that really, uh, that made me think. Yeah, this is straight up a dark comedy. The moment when you, uh, when uh, what's his name kills the teacher. So he's dead. God, I then, love this moment so much. Then the phone rings. His phone rings, and then out of nowhere, after okay, just 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 to remind you guys, this man has been brutally shot numerous times. In the five chest, or six times in the chest. Yes, not not in the hip, just all around the chest area, the the arms. But when his cell phone rings, he gets up, like nothing happens, just slowly gets up, walks to the couch, looks at his phone, talks just regularly, like, "Hey, hey, honey, yeah, I'm not gonna come home. What do you mean? <laughs> like, and then basically just throws the phone." shoots the phone and then he gets like a cookie that uh, I guess one of the students made or something. Uh, yeah. The one that he's got the crush on Nori goes. Yeah. yeah so she, he's like, Oh, the last cookie. Oh, they're, they're so damn good. And then he just dies. Yeah. It's so like, funny. Cause he's, he's so, I mean, he's been dead. He shouldn't be moving as easily. Even if he's still alive, he should not be able to just stand up and walk no, casually over to his phone. Either should be limping or just dead. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've, you've seen the sequel. You said it's not as good. I'm going to admit right now I have not seen the sequel. It, I have this Blu-ray that has it on it, but I have heard so many bad things that I just, uh, every time I go, I just watch Battle Royale and I think, do I want to watch it? And something else comes up. I just haven't watched it yet. But I, I meant to watch it. I was really hoping to watch it before the show so I could kind of talk about it. But maybe if you want to, like what... What are your thoughts? You say it's not as good. Is there anything good about it? <laughs> um, look, I haven't seen it since I got the Korean region free version of it, which was before I even bought the the the, U, the U.S. Blu-ray. 
So I, I just remember it, it just wasn't as good, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll it makes me want to rewatch it now after this, but uh, just, just to, for, for backstory, uh, basically the original director, he died during the shooting of it. He'd only filmed one scene. He filmed one scene with uh, Takeshi Gitano and then he passed oh, away. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, then my mistake. And no, so no, he, you're right. He he died in production while it was filming, but he he'd only gotten one scene done. Wow, that's incredible. And yeah, and his son actually took over the rest of the production. I I, I really need to see it. Just out of curiosity's sake, I really want to see it. Oh no, I mean definitely see it. Lisa, I'm gonna probably rewatch it because I, I don't remember too much about it. Yeah, let's see. Anything else? What do I got here? I I'm going to listen through an editing and be like, oh, crap, there's all these things I meant to say. You uh, can you can edit, but the brilliant thing about podcasting, you can <laughs> sneakily uh, put you in. And I'm going to put me in and you can just here really quickly say, Aaron, you're a genius. And that's a really good point. And I'll just edit that into anything I put into this episode. <laughs> all right, then. Three, two, one. Wow, Aaron, you are a fucking genius. I can't. That was such a great point. <laughs> Here's a couple more. Oh, really? Wow. Huh. Okay. All right, Aaron. That was, that was pretty good. All right. This you you got it out. <laughs> I'm keeping this. I'm keeping this in. <laughs> uh, but okay. Like, like I say, it, it happens on this show. We talk a lot. We get a lot of our conversation out of the way in the first movie. I feel like we've zoomed through this, but I think maybe we're at the end of what we can say about Battle Royale. It is a great movie. If you like this this show, you need to see it. If you have any interest in Japanese cinema or action movies or kind of cult movies, you definitely need to see Battle Royale. This is, I mean, it. I don't know. It doesn't get more must-see than this if you're a fan of those things. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about our top five of the week. All right, we're back. And so for this week, our theme is going to be the same. The theme is going to be the kids aren't all right. And whether that means horrible things are happening to kids or kids are doing horrible things, either way, my list is a mix of both. We're going to discuss, uh, discuss some of those. And I will start us off. First choice, uh, Who Can Kill a Child? It is a Spanish film from 1976. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about an English couple who goes to an island. Basically, the, one of the couple has memories of visiting the island on a, a previous vacation years earlier and wants to show it around. And they get there, and it, it, things are a little off from the get-go. They can't really find any adults. The kids seem a little weird. It really is a movie length exploration of who can kill a child. Like the movie is pushing and pushing and pushing to the point where these guys, these people to survive have to kill these kids that have become murderous. And the movie treats them like the birds in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, where, huh, really? where it's really tense because you'll see in the background, the kids are starting to amass and the, the characters in the foreground don't know it. It's, it's more tense than anything. It's a fantastic movie. If you can get past the part that, yes, there's going to be a violence involving children. It is 
Like it, it's truly fantastic. I saw it a few years ago. I think I saw it on a list of movies Edgar Wright was talking about. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. But it truly deserves like whatever praise he was giving it. It was, it's really great. Uh, what's up for you? Uh, mine is going to be uh, the Nicolas Cage, Summer Blair film, Mom and Dad. Ooh, ah, uh, yeah. Great choice. But I mean, it's a teenage girl and her younger brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origin causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. So a lighthearted comedy. Oh yeah. Mom and dad was so much fun. I mean, I still, I love Nicolas Cage all the time. I'm glad people are really giving him his due as just like a really ballsy actor, but mom and dad is definitely one of the better Nicolas Cage, like, movies of this type because he does a lot of these movies that end up going direct to video and e even though he's in it and he's kind of doing some interesting stuff the movies are unwatchable mom and dad really great i i had so much fun watching that movie yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely like i mean it, it's it's again it's a movie that i would told i know i would enjoy but i mean it's uh it was written and directed by half the team of crank yeah, Neville Dean Taylor. It's it's the Taylor part of that team. Yes, but um, but yeah. So yeah, Mom and Dad is highly recommended. Um, in my opinion. It's 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 a it's a thr it's a fun fun movie, and, and it's Nicolas Cage being Nicolas fucking Cage. And I love when Nicolas Cage's parents show up. Oh my god! Yes, 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 yes. The uh, the third act is really damn good. I I mean I think I like Mom and Dad more than I like Crank. Really? Yeah. Because Crank is just as ridiculous. It but is. I think it, well, especially Crank 2. Crank 2 is like is like that movie gave everybody that watched it drugs. <laughs> like it slipped something into everybody's drinks. Oh my god, like Crank 2 is literally everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah. And I wanted more from that team and it, it, they haven't quite hit it out of the park, but I think uh, with everything, but I think even though it's only half of them working on um mom and dad i think it it came pretty close i mean i think it's really good by the way quick shout out i really i actually like their ghostwriter sequel yeah no that's fun that's fun but i mean it's it's still reined in a little bit more than crank yeah a lot more than crank actually <laughs> <laughs> um so my next one i'm gonna go pretty old school i'm gonna go with village of the damned not oh, the john carpenter version i'm gonna go with the oh. original Okay, all right. Um, I haven't seen the original, but I've seen the John Carpenter one. Yeah, it. It's <laughs> the John Carpenter one is probably well. I would say it's my least favorite John Carpenter movie, but Memoirs of an Invisible Man exists. Oof. Um, Village of the <laughs> Damned. I love the book that that's based on. The two movies about the really creepy kids. Anyway, that's that's all. People know you. People are kind of familiar with it. It. They're good. They're good movies. The Village of the Damned and Children of the Damned, the uh, 1960s versions, are terrific. Uh, what do you got okay. next? I have a, uh, a film that came out not too long. I probably would say three, four years ago. Um, it is a movie called uh, Cooties. Oh, great choice. That's another alternate I had. Yes, uh, Cooties was co-written by Lee Wynell, who obviously started the Saw franchise, Insidious, uh, wrote and directed The Amazing Upgrade, as well as The Invisible Man from last year. Uh, it's about basically infected uh, 
chicken nuggets that got into the uh, school cafeteria of this one specific school. And then, uh, you know, one, one boy ate a chicken, nug- chicken nugget. And, uh, and of course it's, it infected him, got the taste of flesh. And then, yeah, it's all these uh, zom- fast zombie, uh, fast zombie kids just attacking everybody. And it's up to uh, the teachers that are uh, like Lee Winnell's in it, Rain Wilson, Elijah Wood, just a bunch of amazing actors that are, you know, obviously trying to uh, fight for survival in the school. Yeah, that's a fun movie. That's really fun. Okay, my next one, I'm going to go. Well, I just I was talking about Canadian, so I'm going to keep it there. Uh, My next one, I'm going up north to Canada. I'm going to go with David Cronenberg the brood oh okay. i i think the brood is cronenberg's first great movie uh okay. i haven't i haven't seen shivers in a long time and i will admit i watched rabid twice last year and liked it more each time i watched it but the brood is the first one i think where everything that he is known for really clicks like like making the body horror a manifestation of the psychological problems of the characters, he really yeah. hits that metaphor's na- nail right on the head. It, it's a great fucking creepy movie. That movie where the little like mutant kids kill that teacher. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> and then that scene, they're just walking down the street in their snow coats and everything. Oh, it's such a creepy movie. And <laughs> like really, really gross in that great Cronenbergian way. Um, uh-huh. It's so terrific. I have only seen The Brood, I think, twice. I think the first time I saw it was on, uh, I think when it was on, I think I think I saw it on Netflix or something like years ago. And then the second time I saw it was when uh, Beyond Fest had the uh, that whole big Cronenberg retrospective. Uh, I don't know if you went to any of them. Uh, no, I've never been to the Beyond Fest, honestly. Oh, my God. Oh, I hope and pray when The Egyptian opens next year we can all get together for beyond the real beyond fest where shirt cannon where t-shirt cans get shot out to the audience and beer chugging contests and all the all the insanity that is beyond fest i i hope you can attend you know i've all right well uh, go ahead what's your next choice uh my next choice is a scout's guide to the apocalypse to the zombie apocalypse oh okay how do we how i mean I'm interested to hear. I have not seen that, so I'm interested to hear what you say. Okay, so basically the the whole premise is three scouts on the eve of their last campout discover the true meaning of friendship when they attempt to save their town from a zombie outbreak. And uh, honestly, it's uh, it's actually directed by uh, the the guy uh, Chris Christopher Landon, who just directed Freaky. He also did uh, the Happy Death Day movies. Oh. Uh, yeah, I fucking love Happy Death Day. I did not yeah. realize he did that. Yeah, um, yeah. This was, uh, I think, this is uh, like one of his earlier films. Actually, this is, uh, I think, third movie because his first big film was uh, Paranormal Activity: The Marked Ones, which was supposed to be the spinoff. But, uh, but yeah, Scout Scout's Guide was his his kind of his bigger non franchise um, movie, and I mean, it's it's just fun it's just gory it's it's there's some really funny moments there's this really gross moment which i i i know this is hard to believe but i this specific zombie kill i had in my mind for years 
until I saw Scout's Guide uh, to Zombie Apocalypse, I literally shouted no to the screen because I feel like somebody out in the universe heard my my disgusting <laughs> zombie kill and they used it. Oh, I kind of don't want to spoil the it, but I kind of do. Well, <laughs> but, how about this? I will watch it this week. I, I mean, I will try to watch it this week. I will message you and say which one was the one you wanted to do. Okay, that sounds that sounds good. I'm gonna take it real down with my next one. Like all of the ones we've been talking about so far have some element of fun, even though the brood is pretty dark. Uh, number four for me, we need to talk about Kevin. Hmm. Which Lynn Ramsey, uh, it directed, it's got John C. Riley and Tilda Swinton as the parents of a eventual school shooter. And it's basically Tilda Swinton remains in the town as kind of a pariah because her, her son has killed most of his class or several people in his class and he's in jail and she stays nearby mainly so that she can visit him in prison and it's told in kind of an elliptical pattern not in chronological order as she kind of goes over memories as well of of kevin's entire life and where she might have gone wrong and how kevin just never really connected with her it's a pretty dark movie uh, but like everything lynn ramsey has done really fantastic like she's she's a top-notch director and i just wish we got more than one movie every few years out of her huh i've i don't i think i've heard of it but i've never seen it it's a it's a drama this is not like oh (laughs) it's it is a horror movie in that the it's very horrific what happens but it's not a horror movie it's a it's a straight drama pretty much but it's it's I mean, it's a it's a very powerful film. Okay. Damn. I feel like that brought the house down for a second. Well, hey, let, I'm going to bring it up, I hope, with my last last pick. But what do you got for, for your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, Freaks of Nature. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, basically, the premise is in the town of Dilford. Humans, vampires, and zombies were all living in peace until the alien apocalypse arrived, and now three teenagers, one human, one vampire, and one zombie, have to team up to figure out how to get rid of the visitors. It all takes place in a high school. That sounds that but, sounds um, interesting. It, the movie was shelved for a little bit, but uh, honestly, I, I saw it. I saw it by myself, and uh, and honestly, like I'm not gonna lie, like I was kind of surprised by it it was a lot of fun it's it's a it's a little bloody but i mean i it's um it's a lot more comedic uh war so surprisingly warner herzog plays the 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 main alien oh man okay <laughs> and i'm like how the fuck did they get warner herzog to be in this little sci-fi horror comedy from 2015 man, was he not doing anything the stuff that he does like he shows up acting in weird things and gives his voice to the weirdest things. But I, I think he's now yeah. just at the age where he's just like, I'm going to do things that are fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just such a weird, like, uh, because his character, he plays the perfect being. Oh, okay. But yeah. Is it a sequel to the fifth yeah. element then? No, no, it's not. It's definitely not the. Uh, it's not a sequel to the fifth he's, element. He's playing Lulu no. older. 
Oh God! Actually, I want to see that. <laughs> like Lilu, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I definitely enjoyed it when I first saw it. Um, I I definitely want to re because actually my brother bought it. Uh, get, got it for me for Christmas. Uh, he works at Sony, so um, I don't think he's gonna listen to this. But uh, but yeah, he uh, he works at Sony and he uh he gave that to me for Christmas and I remember liking it when I prior to that so but yeah I mean I, it's it's a lot of fun I, I definitely think you should you should check it out will do will do uh okay so my final pick uh, I've got a lot of uh got a lot of alternates but I'm gonna like honorable mentions but I'm just gonna go right into my final pick sleepaway camp oh see classic I'm, I'm gonna bring it back up because this is a definitely a fun movie even though what makes it fun is how kind of grimy and angry this movie is like everybody in this movie is operating at a level of barely controlled rage <laughs> that is just, <laughs> it, it for some reason so entertaining to me it's so ridiculous uh like I don't like the phrase so bad it's good because a lot of times when people say something is so bad it's good what they really mean is it's actually just good like like they'll they'll say something like oh that movie was so bad it's good but I'm like no that that you know all the all the things that you thought were fun about that movie they did on purpose and that's a good movie um but sleepaway camp it it is kind of almost amateurishly made but that just gives it so much such a fun handmade flavor even though the movie is like really for a movie about kids in camp, really sleazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, sleepaway I, camp. If you know it, you know it. It's a it's it is a classic. I I saw. Uh, let's see. That's a weird. Like I'm trying to figure out when's the first time I saw it. I don't know if I. It's kind of cloudy. The first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it was at the New Beverly. It was a midnight showing. And um, what's her name was there? Oh, Felicia Rose. Felicia Rose. There we go. I almost called it Felicia Day. But yeah, Felicia Rose was there and uh, her co-star was there as well. And let's just say they're both a little saucy, sauced up. Well, yeah, she appears on uh, on Joe Bob. Yeah. Almost every season now. And mm -hmm. she, she seems to have a good sense of humor about, you know, the film and her kind of the pop culture uh, awareness of her. Oh no, oh no, no, I'm saying at the QA she was drunk. <laughs> oh, so sauced, not saucy. <laughs> so yeah, she was sauced up. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was, but it's still it was a lot, it was actually fun. Um it was a fun QA still. Okay. But uh but yeah, she seems she seems like she's having a great time talking about it and uh yeah, and, and it just like I said, and I've never seen it with an audience before, but I needed I needed to see it because I feel like if you're if you're into horror, if you're into like even just bad horror, B horror, whatever, that's a film you need to watch because it's just fun. It's a fun, ridiculous movie, especially the the twist. I don't need to explain the twist. Yeah, no, it it's it, it, it <laughs> I somehow made it through through without knowing that movie, like what what the plot of that movie was. And so I saw it about 10 years ago for the first time and yeah. completely flabbergasted by that ending. I mean, I mean, what would you say if you saw it open the opening weekend? Yeah. I, uh, I know. I know it's got kind of a, 
kind of a mixed reputation now because a lot of people consider it transphobic. But I think uh, I think that I, I'm not going to say that's not a valid reading, but I think it's 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 also like kind of dismissing what the movie is actually doing. All right. But um, okay, so what do you got? What's your final? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I have a final. <laughs> oh, you're done. Yeah, I, I'm done with my because I I, I only fi- I only have those those four films. Well, can I can I give you one? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying we're we're done with the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go we're, ahead. We're almost done with the show, but um, I was I was gonna say Heather's. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Heather's is kind of like the classic dark mm-hmm. high school comedy and an interesting movie for me to have grown up with as a, as a kid, I really thought Christian Slater was awesome in that movie. As an adult, I'm like, what the fuck? Christian Slater is awful in this movie. And then I was like, I was like, Winona Ryder's got much, much better head on her shoulder. And then like watching it now, I'm like, no, she's kind of fucked up as well. And now I'm just like, yeah, everybody in this movie is awful. (laughs) Isn't it great when you re- rewatch your your beloved films? Yeah, no, it, I mean the movie is growing with me. I'm I'm just realizing different things about it. It's, I mean, it's great. I, Heather's. So other ones I had were The Bad Seed, Good Night, Mommy, and Rosemary's Baby. Oh fuck, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a real good one. I just saw that again. But yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of scary. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Very I don't uh, effective paranoia. I, I didn't remember it was that scary when I first saw it, but watching it now, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Maybe I should revisit it, too. So I think I think that's that's us done. I mean, I think that's going to wrap us up today. So before we go, do you have anything going on? Anything you want people to follow you on? Anything you want to point people towards? Sure. Uh, I, 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 I have a Twitter and Instagram and uh, you can follow me on both of them at the real Johnny underscore D as in dog. So the real Johnny underscore D um, I, I have a, I, I still do stuff on creepy kingdom, but not recently. So hopefully we'll get back up in the next couple of weeks or so. And uh, I, I just did a, uh, a short, I wrote and directed my first short called revelation, which is going to be out this fall. Because right now I'm doing the festival circuit. I'm trying to submit it to a bunch of a shit ton of film festivals and and even Beyond Fest as well. And uh, yeah, let's. I, I just hope to get some uh, get people to check it out. Uh, because I just submitted it for like best at because there's not that many short uh, there's not that many like uh, short film festivals that recognize you know best actor, actress, director, editor, and all that. So I'm trying to find those film festivals because I want to throw out my actress. Yeah, you know, I want I want her to get recognized and get nominated for at least best actress or, um, or best produce or best producers because I she's also a producer so I try to give her I I want to try hopefully get her some recognition of that you know, not mm-hmm. only the short but at least get her like a, an uh, like an official selection for best actress or whatever you know. That would be really cool. I can't wait to see it. As for me, you can follow the show here on Twitter and and Instagram, both places. It's at Two Headed Pond, and of course, there's a Facebook page. If you use, still use Facebook, just look up the Incredible Two Headed Podcast, and we're there. Uh, go ahead and give us a follow. 
Also, if you have the time, go ahead to iTunes or Apple or wherever you're getting this podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It does help. And I would like to see what people think. If you're enjoying the show, want to leave a review, uh, maybe I'll read it on the show. Uh, that's going to basically do it for me. We'll be back next week with a brand new host body and a brand new movie. Johnny, thank you for being here. And we'll talk to you soon. Why, wow, Aaron, you are a fucking genius. I can't. That was such a great point. <laughs>